Welcome to The Culture Factor, where we talk to founders and influential leaders about company culture. We share stories from the C-suite that help executives engage their business from the inside and create a map to transform their culture. Because the truth is, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I want to thank our listeners for joining The Culture Factor and ask that you subscribe, rate, and consider leaving a review. We'd love to hear who you'd like to listen to next. And a thank you to our sponsor, Company Tribes. They have an app and a virtual experience to help keep your tribe together during difficult times like now and business as usual. How strong is your company culture? Reach out to Paul at companytribes.com. Wanda Dunaway is a regional vice president in the sales industry. She leads and supports a team of amazing professionals and takes pride in creating a rich team culture. But it didn't start that way when she took on the role four years ago. Wanda was presented with a toxic work environment in her region that wasn't in line with the rest of the company culture. She has leaned into the conflict to repair and rebuild it to what it is now. She joins us today on The Culture Factor to provide a roadmap for leaders who are navigating dysfunction in the workplace. So let's bring her on. Hello, Wanda Dunaway. Hi, Holly. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for coming on The Culture Factor. And we also have our co-host and co-producer, Paul Jones. Welcome aboard. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) So we're going to jump right in. Can you share with us um, how this climate in your team, um, how it it all began and, and what you did to lead them? Sure. So we had a lot of, I would say, dysfunction in the team. There was a lot of passive aggression, um, probably some some actual aggression um, that kind of came out as maybe bullying. There was a lot of pessimism and, and complaints, lots of complaining about everybody. Um, I think the team had the HR manager on speed dial for a while, and um, there was there was even an incident in the showroom where there was a screaming match. I think that had happened, and you know there were just things like eye rolling and gossiping and and hoarding space in the fridge and and just little things. But um, I know, so I was in a different position before I took this one with the company. I was in marketing and I had come up to the the office a couple of times before. And I remember one time I was in there and the manager pointed to two, two people and said, those are my superstars there. And they were two people who had been there a couple of years. They were doing great. But I remember, I remember thinking later, how do you think that person felt who was, has been there for almost 30 years and was a high performer to hear, hear somebody else described as the superstars? And I think in general, the bigger problem is that they were known in the market as, as individuals, but not necessarily as a team. Interesting. The, um, it's very difficult when there's favorites played in, in the workplace for sure. Um, and then in addition to that, that they're screaming at each other and arguing, uh, within, within the company. So, uh, when you leaned in, what were some of the first steps that you took to sort of understand what those conflicts were about? Cause you, of course you heard the history, the screaming matches and so forth. And, and what measures did you begin to put in place to start healing the team? Sure. I, I think, you know, part of it, because I had heard these stories and had seen some of this, I knew there was, I knew there were perceptions out there. And one of the things I needed to figure out was what was real and what was, what was just a perception. And really it just starts with listening. 
I know one of the first things we did, um, my husband and I were moving from Georgia up to New York City. You can probably tell from my accent, I'm not a native New Yorker. And we were doing an apartment search. And so we scheduled a, a team meeting with, with everybody before my start date even happened. And we both showed up at the office and had a great team meeting, but it's amazing how much we found out in just that short amount of time. You know, you find out all the, a lot of the skeletons really quickly, just by the way people talk about each other and to each other. And I think in general, people really want to talk. And, you know, then you sort of have to figure out what's going on there. I think, you know, what was key was setting expectations for the team. The, what were the non-negotiables is we were going to be a team and we were going to grow. And, you know, then I think modeling behavior is really important. One of the things that I believe was really key was that I jumped into the, this new city and this industry and was out a couple nights a week, sometimes with the team and a client, sometimes with just a client. And so they saw that I was providing value and that I wasn't asking them to do anything that, that um, I wouldn't do. Um, you know, one of the things we did sort of early on was a, a, a contest and it was, you know, salespeople are used to contests. They're very competitive. And so we did this one a little differently. They, they had individual points that they could work towards. And it was things like, they were behaviors I wanted to, to encourage. And some of it was just administrative stuff, things that they really needed to do, but I wanted them to, them to do it faster. But some were things that I wanted to promote as team behaviors, like um, giving recognition to each other or uh, promoting a win, sharing a win with the team. And um, we even had negative points like leaving the dishes in the sink and not washing them just because that had been a point of contention. So we would do these different things. But the twist on it was that the individual points all rolled up into team points with the prize being a team outing. And of course, my secret was that there was going to be a winner because we were going to have a team outing. That was just as much a part of it as the actual contest. That's fantastic, Wanda. Um, kind of going back a little bit, I, I find it interesting in your story that when you try to shift, at least from what I'm hearing from your story, is that if you're coming into a, a challenging culture, um, it sounds like previously that the manager had really established a hierarchy and obviously had favorites. And so one of the things you could have done, and a lot of people probably would do, is sync up with the manager on, hey, how do I take this team over? And it even sounds like that's kind of what the previous leader was doing in the sense of saying, hey, these are my superstars. Basically, I'm trying to perpetuate my perception of how you should lead the team onto you. But because you came from such a different perspective and because you came from outside of that political, um, that political realm that had been created you didn't really play into that at all. And so I think that kind of helped um, reset boundaries or reset everything for the team. Was that something that you intentionally did when you came in was just say, you know what, I'm not going to get caught up in what is currently existing. We just need to reset that whole thing. Absolutely. I know when I was, you know, putting together my informal inter actually, sorry, formal interview for the position, even though it was internal, we still go through all the processes. I, I was 
thinking about what are the things I need to do and what are the, what are the values that we want to have for the team. And one of those, because of things that had happened in the past, was really consistency. I, I wanted to make sure that I was treating everyone equally, but not necessarily the same because they're all very different. And, you know, just this week I was talking to somebody that was worried about being too salesy. And I said, I'd never worry about you being too salesy. I have other people on my team that I might, might, I might not say that to, but you have to treat them. They need to all be retreated with respect and feel like they're all a part of the team, but, um, you know, do the things that are, do the things that are helpful for each person. And the other part of that was I wanted to build a bridge to the actual company culture because New York had sort of gotten off on its own. And of course, you know, New York is known for independence, but we had sort of gone further than we needed to. And we almost use it as an excuse, as an excuse, New York does things differently. And so that was another part is one consistency and two sort of driving things back to, to our overall brand. Mm. Wanda, is it possible that you could share a story with us that might exemplify a technique that you use to um, dissect these problems and, and force the team to face the issues head on so that you could really turn it around and start to function well and, and obviously make more sales? You know, one of the issues we were having was I was getting a lot of individual complaints about different people and which is, is fine, but they, the individuals did not want to address these concerns with the other person. They just wanted to talk to me about them. And so one of the things we did was I worked with our training department to put together a, a team building training exercise. It was called the speed of trust. It's actually a Franklin Covey program. And I liked it because it was less touchy feely and more about economics of the economics of trust. Um, what was the, the thing was when, when trust is down, costs go up and time um, time spent efficiency goes down. So we were looking at this and the core of it are these 13 behaviors of trust. And so one of the exercises we did, which was, I think, a turning point is there was a whiteboard and it had each of these 13 behaviors that that promoted trust. And everybody was supposed to go up and put check marks next to the ones where we felt like we had the biggest challenges. And the one that overwhelmingly one was confront reality, which obviously that was something we knew because people were were hesitant to to confront somebody about something that they were doing that was bothering them. And so so we started talking about that. And at one point I, I said, okay, so would you rather to, to the whole group, would you rather if someone's doing something that's hurting them, hurting the company, or just just annoying you, would you rather sorry, I, I said if 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 you were doing something that was annoying others, not helping yourself or hurting the company, would you rather them come tell you or would you rather them go to the manager and tell them what's going on? And everybody on the team said, I would rather them come to me because I want to know for one and two, if they go to the manager, it's going to be secondhand and I can't ask all the questions to clarify what was going on. And, and so that was something that I said, okay, you all heard it here. Everybody raised their hands. Everybody said they would rather you talk to them. So why aren't we doing that? And, and we left that with action items and, and almost everybody's action items had something to do with 
being more transparent, being more willing to to confront issues head on. Wow, that's so cool. How long did it take or how many iterations or suggestions to go sync up with somebody uh, did you feel like you had to give before the team kind of settled into giving feedback to each other? Yeah, well, the interesting thing, and I'm sure this is like this for every team, is we're still not 100% there. And there's still times that people hesitate to go. But one of the the follow-ups that we did from that session was in each of our one-on-ones, we, we talked about the next, actually the next one-on-one we, we, I had them remind me what was their, their action item that they left the meeting, what was their commitment. And I put that in our one-on-one notes so we could see it every time. And if, if someone came in, was complaining or, or giving me feedback about someone else. And I said, if you talk to them about it, well, no, not yet. Well, didn't you say you were going to be more um, more willing to confront people when something came up. So I think that was helpful because they were like, you know, you're right. I did commit to this. So so I think that was part of it. You know, we also did some 360 ratings on the team. We do using the the stop start continue method, and I don't know that we got any surprises. Maybe maybe a couple, but most people already knew. But this just kind of gave them gave them that idea that, uh, or the reinforcement that there were things that they need to work on. And, you know, one thing I realized at, during this 360 process is that I was a, a part of the problem. Uh, coming into this team culture where people weren't getting along, I really wanted collaboration and I wanted everybody to get along. And I realized that while I was asking everybody to get along, I was not necessarily encouraging that healthy debate. So, um, you know, one of the things I'm doing now is reading Radical Candor. So that's going to be one of the next things. I, actually, I've already started talking about it with the team. So that's the next things that I'm going to talk to them in our one-on-ones is when they come up with something. It's like, okay, we, if we care about these people. We have to be radically candid with them. You know, it's it's interesting, Wanda, you're using a lot of tried and true properties that are, you know, out there from, you know, Covey methods and um, radical candor and, and uh, one-on-ones. You're using a lot of things that people talk about doing, but they don't necessarily employ them. Um, but you're really doing the research and then putting them into action with your team. And that's great to do all of that. And I think um, obviously you're you're seeing that it's starting to turn your company culture around. I think also um, in a previous conversation we had talked also bottom line. You know, one of the the big conflicts your your group had was around the comp structure, and and that actually was a tool that you used. Um, and maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on that. So it was kind of aside from all of the different methods that you had been using. You actually, in some of your research, realized that that was like one of the main things that was a deterrent to them being cohesive. That's right. Um, you know, the sales industry has become, just the sales process has become a lot more complex. It used to be really simple. If you called on someone and they liked you and your product was something that they needed, they would buy it. But now there's a lot of different decision makers. There's, you sort of have to surround the opportunity. And 
what we've done is everybody was individual contributors before, and now we are all, everybody is on a segmented team. So where they're segmented by markets and they are tied financially to each other. And you know, we didn't do this at the beginning because I felt that we didn't have enough trust in each other's, in each other's, um, th- their abilities or their motivations or their willingness to work together. And so we, I, I, thought it would fail if we did it without building that foundation of trust. So we had taken our collaboration and our teaming to a certain point, And I felt like this was the natural next step that we wouldn't get to the next level if we didn't tie them together financially and make sure that uh, working together hit their bottom line. I love that Wanda. So what I'm, what I'm hearing here is first, coming into the team is kind of creating a new slate. Second, it's building trust. Third, it's realigning comp structures. And comp structures are always something, especially in sales, is something that is is widely debated and discussed. Um, and I could see how a knee-jerk reaction to someone coming into a new team, the first thing you're going to want to do is line up the unit economics uh, to help and promote teamwork. But I find it interesting that you, you decided to go down the trust route first. How did you frame this? So you have trust now established with the team. You're having more open communication. How did you then transition into this discussion about comp structures with them? We had been talking about it for a while. It was, it was in a surprise. We had it basically was on my radar to for every quarter to say is this is this the time for it is this something that we need and so i talked to the team about it and it was it was a process where everyone was able to give input um it was my decision in the end but i listened to everybody's input into how it should work um what was what was the best way to do it um so so i took all that input listened and and made the decision. You know, I wonder, Wanda, if you brought that whiteboard out now, you know, a few years later, and did that exercise over again, I wonder what that would look like now. That would be interesting. And I've actually adopted four new members this year from upstate. So now we're not just the city in Long Island, we're actually all over New York. So that's, that is my next challenge is, um, integrating that team into the, um, the, the other team. Well, I, I think you have all the tools in your kit. You've been uh, doing the research and deploying tried and true research and spending time with your team to know where their gifts are and how they can work best together. So I think you are probably uh, well positioned to bring to, to scale, to be honest. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, one thing that's interesting now with the now that we're in quarantine is we we used to meet monthly as a team. Now we do weekly hangouts and I think that's been really good and what I'm finding is my team's actually talking more with each other during this quarantine and um you know, my another challenge I have next is figuring out how do we continue that networking connectivity as we, as we come out of this. A lot of uh, companies are thinking about that. It's been interesting as we've dove in here on the podcast, talking with executives, that is uh, what you just said is widely, uh, definitely a theme that we're hearing is that I think 
more than ever, executives are thinking about connection, employee connection. And more than ever, companies have been more in- intentional about that connection. Um, and I think right now, a lot of people are asking, wow, we've seen incredible connection happening among our employees. We've seen productivity go up, engagement go up. How do we keep this moving forward? Yeah, it's interesting when something positive could come out of something so catastrophic in a lot of ways. Um, But yeah, that seems to be a recurring theme that we're seeing a lot of people, um, you know, we're all vulnerable, right? The, the, The playing field has been leveled, you know, everybody's at home dealing with the same stresses now, no matter what level you are. So, um, it is interesting to see that, um, while it's virtual, the byproduct is people are actually feeling more connected. So thank you, Wanda. This was really amazing. We're really happy that you came on here to, to share that your story because I think it is, um, it's actually not unique. I actually think it's something that uh, a lot of people don't talk about that needs to be on the table because um, having viable tools to move through uh, dysfunction is, is very important. And um, so I feel like you really provided a framework for our listeners. I think we're going to need to have Wanda come back. Radical Candor is one of my favorite books. Kim Scott is awesome. And I, it's one of my favorite books because I'm the worst at it. Like I'm the most ruinous empathy manager you've ever met. So (laughs) we're going to have to have you come back on uh, with us, Wanda, and talk about how you implemented that book with your team. You got it. No problem. Oh, good. (laughs) Part two of the culture with with Wanda Dunaway. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I love, I love talking about developing people. I love talking about um, developing culture. Well, that's our number one topic here on the culture factor. So it's a good fit. So we will, uh, we will circle back around with our listeners for a part two with you. And um, we thank you so much for coming. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks Wanda. 